Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the honor to be called sons and daughters of the King. We realize, Lord Jesus, that relatively speaking, in the light of eternity, we have such a small amount of time. Our lives are over in but a moment. And we thank you for our lives. We thank you for the good things that you have given us. We thank you for the friendships that we have. But Lord, we never ever want to lose sight of the reason why you've called us into your house. We never want to lose sight as to the reason and the motivation and the purpose for which you would have us perform to glorify your name in this dark, lost world. Lord Jesus, again today, we thank you. There is no name like the name of Jesus. We thank you. It is the name. Lord, it might not be recognized as the name above every name in our world, but Father, we thank you that you have declared that Jesus has been given. That name tried to be taken away from him. That name tried to be crushed and broken and smashed on a cross by the powers of this world and the evil powers of Satan. But we thank you, Father, that you have given him the name above all names. Oh, Lord, we thank you that there is one name under heaven by which man can be saved. It's the name of Jesus. Oh, it's the name above every name in heaven, on earth, and even under the earth. And every tongue will confess. Every life, every life form of existence will be brought to a moment in time, at some point in the future, where they will utter these words, Jesus Christ is Lord. We thank you. It's a certainty. We thank you. It's unchangeable. It's unmovable. It's on your calendar, Father, where Jesus will receive honor, praise, and ultimate recognition from the underworld of hell, from the upper world of this world, and even the universal world of heaven. And Lord, we thank you for it. It shall happen. So, Father, we thank you this morning as we listen to your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would break the bread and distribute it in the way that you would have it broken. Holy Spirit, we pray that in these moments, you would bring fresh focus, fresh direction. You would, by the, your own power, you would enable us. You would, you would uh, sharpen us. You would... Uh, again, relight the fires of zeal for your house and for your cause in this land and in our lives, Lord, we pray. Only you can do it because it's not by might. It's not by our discipline program. It's not by what we can do. That only wears us out and leads to failure. But by the power of your spirit, this newness of life, by the power of your Holy Spirit, there's energy and ability and anything can happen. So Lord, I pray. I pray for each precious life here. Precious, precious life. Lord, from youngest to oldest, we pray 
that there would be just a fresh sense of the wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Continuing on from this day into every day. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. We ask it for your glory. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's give Jesus a giant clap, a giant shout. Give him your best. Give him your best shout. Give him your best. Hallelujah. Let Don't hold back. Give him your best shout. Give him your best clap. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Wonderful. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, great. Let's, uh, as our musicians leave the stage, let's show our appreciation to them too. It really is wonderful to be ministered to by our team here who dedicate their lives, really do, and their time to uh, helping us and, and refreshing us through the songs that we sing. So many things going through my mind this morning. So many things happening in my heart that I feel are awakening in this time. <clears throat> but I, I really believe that, that we are entering times ahead of us that are going to be glorious times. I believe that all of us are entering times ahead of us that in many ways are going to be very different to what we've ever experienced and what we've ever encountered as what we call church. I believe that ahead of us there are wonderful opportunities and wonderful moments where we are going to get a fresh sense of God's presence. We're going to get a fresh sense of who Jesus is. He's going to be right at the center. And we are going to, we are going to see many wonderful things. We're going to see a lost world brought to Christ. I was riding my little bike a few weeks ago down the canal path, as I do. And as I was riding, I felt the Holy Spirit just say to me, he said, listen, Dave, he said, I want you to know that the church is going to grow numerically. It's going to grow in its number. That's what he just said it. I said, okay, Lord. And he said, I want you to know why it's going to grow. He said, it's not going to grow because of your music. He said, it's certainly not going to grow because of your preaching. Thank you, Jesus. He's my number one fan. But it's not, and he's, he's your number one fan too. But it's certainly not going to grow as a result of a sermon or as a result of somebody speaking on a platform. He said that to me very clearly. And then suddenly he showed me in my spirit. He said, this is why it's going to grow. And, and I saw Jesus standing in the middle of it all. I did, now, when I say that, I just want to clarify it by saying this. I didn't, you know, see him with my own eyes or get some, this kind of terrific vision. But that was the thought in my mind that he brought about. He said, this, he said, this place is going to grow numerically, he said, because Jesus is going to stand up. He said, when you start to see people come in their droves, when you start to see people come uh, and, and queuing outside, he said, make sure that you understand that it is growing as a result of one primary reason, and that is because Jesus is standing up in the middle of it all. He said, he said you as a church, as a people, he said, your, your job and your role is to serve the king on behalf of those who are coming in. 
They're going to come for Jesus and it's going to be our work and our job to serve them and aid them and help them in their understanding and in their experience in welcoming them into this home. It's exciting. It's exciting. You see, the Holy Spirit, one of the things that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit is this. He will tell you about things to come. Amen. So when all of those tiered seating area is full of people, we'll be able to look back and say, well, do you know what? We were, we were in the main auditorium when it was just, you know, 100 people, 150, 200. But we are going to see it. We're going to see it move far beyond that. And it is not going to be because of any name other than the name of Jesus. It's not going to be because of any personality or, or anything else other than Jesus Christ standing up in the midst. And I'm telling you now, the things that he is going to do, right, we in gratitude and just absolute awe. Many of us are just going to be on the floor weeping, my friends, because of the sense of power, the sense of God's love, the sense of, of the abundance of his riches and kindness of grace on this place. We are just going to, you're not going to, you're not even going to be able to describe it. You're not even going to be able to necessarily even talk about it without breaking down. Not in sadness, but just sheer joy. Sheer joy. It's ahead of us. It really is. We've been looking over the last number of months about, in, about this whole aspect of growing in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to just recap for a little moment just some of the, some of the things that we've looked at. In 2 Peter chapter 3.17, we picked up on a phrase that Peter used when he said to the church, but you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We took that statement and we applied it in lots of different ways to our lives. We said that grace is visible. It's visible. It's tangible. It's not just an invisible force. It's not just a doctrine. When you're growing in grace as we are, there's a demonstration of that grace coming out of your life. You go down the highways and the byways of life and you go into situations that meet you every day that need the grace that you're growing in. You might meet a work colleague that's in dire straits. You might meet a person that's, that's just gone through situations that are horrific. And you, you are able to dispense that grace that you're growing in and it becomes a wonderful light. It becomes a wonderful opportunity for Jesus to be glorified in the life of another. We are growing in grace. We really are. As every moment passes, not as a result of our decisions, although they do matter, not as a result of, you know, just our disciplined life, although that's good. But we are growing in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of the Holy Spirit helping us to grow. Helping us to grow. Can I give you a little personal, honest illustration that happened to me recently? You're going to like this. You're going to like it. I, again, I was on my bike going up the canal. And this one made me pedal a little faster. I'm going up the canal and the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, oh, Dave, he said, um, bad attitudes are hard work. They really are. I said, I thought about that. I thought, oh, that's an interesting way of putting it. I thought, 
yeah, do you know what, Holy Spirit? They are hard work. They really are. It's really hard work to have a bad attitude. Now, the fortunate thing was that when he said that to me, I had a good attitude. Fantastic. But like I said to you, lots of times the Holy Spirit tells you about things to come. He gives you little warnings. And at the end of the conversation, I'm wondering, I wonder why the Holy Spirit told me that. Is he telling me that to tell other people? Well, what I've found out in my Christian life is usually he's not speaking to me to, tell, to, tell, to give me things to tell to other people. He's usually speaking to me to help me with what's ahead. Yeah, I agreed with him. And it revolved around in my mind for two or three days whilst I had my good attitude. Yeah, bad attitudes are hard work, man. I don't want a bad attitude. And then the day came suddenly when I had my bad attitude day. Oh, my God. It came and it erupted. And not any, it didn't erupt, fortunately, because I'm growing in grace. Fortunately, this bad attitude didn't land on anybody close to me. And it didn't land on anybody. But I had this attitude burning inside me that was not good. And you know what? The Holy Spirit came back to me gently and he said, I told you, didn't I? Bad attitudes are hard work. I said, oh Lord, they're hard work. They're hard work. Now, this thing is, a, this thing is attached to me. And I'm thinking, how, how do I get rid of this now? Because it's staying around and it's lurking. And it, it's a strange thing, you know. I don't know if you've found this. But sometimes you can have thoughts in your mind that are not good. And then suddenly, but, but the feelings don't happen up here. You get the bad thoughts up here, and then suddenly it's in here, where the feelings start to boil, and the feelings start to bubble up, and it's all in here where you can't get your peace. So on my way home on my little bike, I said, Holy Spirit, you're the helper. I need you to help me. I've moved out of the peaceful place that you've positioned me in. I'm outside of it now. It's not good. I don't like it. I can't live outside of your peace, not even for five minutes. And I ask you to restore me, bring me back into that peace. Do you know what he did? He brought me back in. And I can't even tell you. It wasn't through instruction, right? You, maybe, you, maybe you feel like I felt today. And you're all sort of tangled up inside with a web of emotions. And, you know, they're bringing you down and they're questioning you constantly. And you just can't. It's like a barking, angry dog showing its teeth, that attitude. And you know what? You just go back to the Holy Spirit. Oh, help me. Help me. Help me, please. You can see all of this, all of these emotions here. Please help me. Do you know, he, d he won't give you a series of instructions, necessarily. Sometimes he will. There's a number of things that you've got to make sure of to adjust your course. But in this case, he just, he just, he just came and he washed it away. And I was restored back into my peace. And I don't even know how it happened. Listen, that may be for somebody this morning. I didn't plan at all to say that. But that may be for somebody here. But in all of the growing in the grace that, that we're privileged to growing. There will be times where we, where we fail and where we fall and where, where we struggle, but that grace comes afresh. 
because his hands on your life, you see. It really is. We're growing in grace, we said. It's a grace that's visible. It's a grace that's tangible. It's a grace that's practical. It's a grace that acts. It really is. We said that the Bible, the greatest book in the Bible, is not, the, is not called the book of good intentions. It's called the book of Acts. Why? Because great grace was on the apostles. Great grace was on the church. And as a result of that great grace that was upon them, they acted. They acted. You are empowered to act. To act. You may meet a person tomorrow and you're going to be kind to them. It's going to be a kind action that brings them closer to Jesus. Maybe a step closer. You're going you're to act in various ways. Words of comfort you're going to bring to others. That's a, a graceful action that you are going to uh, give to somebody that's going to help them, that's going to bring them through. This is what grace is about. Grace is not invisible. Grace is not an intention. Grace is an action. It's practical. And it helps others. It really does. Have you ever felt when... You know, you go out into your world and, you know, with the best intentions, you've gone out like I've gone out at times in my life. And I've wanted to reach people genuinely in my heart for Jesus. I've, I've wanted to, you know, just, just tell them about the fact that God loves them. And as a result of Jesus coming, there's a wonderful opening for them to have a relationship with the Father. Have you ever done that? You've, you've wanted to tell people about Jesus. And as you've done that, there's been almost a violent reaction to that gentle invitation that you've given people. You know, I, I worked in industry, in, in heavy industry, for a long time. And, you know, lots of times I was, I was so zealous to win these men that were in industry with me, around me. And, and very often, day after day, they would come at me with various questions and arguments or they, they'd make fun of me and it would be very aggressive. And their attitude towards Jesus would be, would, would be very hard. And all I wanted to do was reach them. And you know, very often that can leave you feeling very inferior. You go out with the love of God in your heart and you want to win somebody to Christ. You want to share his love with your neighbor or with your work colleague. But then the attitude and the, and the recoil that comes as a result of that genuine love that you have for them is hard and aggressive. And very often you can be left feeling very vulnerable and you can almost back off. Lots of times what's happened in this nation in particular is that We've gone out into our world and we've, we've met our families and our friends with a genuine love in, in inviting them to maybe church or asking them to pray to ask Jesus in their heart. And we've been hit with strong words. We've been hit with strong attitudes. And as a result, we've backed off. God wants you to know. It's normal to back off. He doesn't condemn us for feeling incapable. He doesn't condemn us for feeling vulnerable. He doesn't condemn us for feeling scared. In John chapter 20, the Bible tells us that, that the disciples were hidden away in a room. The, room. the doors were locked 
And it says, for fear of the Jews. The Jews were, were, were oh, oh, we got a bit of disco going on. Come on, Tarbo. Let's have a bit of praise and worship in the preach. <laughs> Fantastic. The, the, the doors were locked. And the disciples, the great disciples that followed Jesus for those three years and saw incredible uh, healings and miracles, they were, were backing up in a room, locking the doors away from the religious mob that, that had just won the day. Jesus had been crucified. Jesus had been buried. These people, these religious people certainly didn't recognize that Jesus had risen from the dead. And now these men were hiding away in a room. They were feeling vulnerable. The world around them was a world in which they felt they had no place. They felt as if they were completely irrelevant and defeated. And then Jesus walks into the room and he says, peace be with you. And all of their worries, I believe, just dissipated. All of their fears about the future just suddenly went as the Lord of it all stood in the room. Yeah, the world around us may be aggressive. The world around us may be very hurt by what religion has done for it. But I'm telling you now, Jesus Christ is at the center of your life. Jesus Christ doesn't condemn you because you're fearful to tell other people. He'll come in and he'll say, peace be unto you. And then it says this, that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Peter, Matthew, and all of the other disciples knew that they were completely incapable to reach their world. It was hostile. It was aggressive. It had just murdered and killed and crucified their greatest leader, the Savior of the world. What could these disciples do? Jesus comes in and he says, boys, it's not down to what you can do. It's down to what I can do living in you. And he breathed on them, receive my Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to enable you. He's going to equip you. He's going to, he's going to speak through you. He's going to heal through you. He's going to reach other people through you. And you're just going to be you. You're just going to be you. But I'm telling you now, people are just going to come. They're going to come to your home. They're going to come just from a little prayer. You're going to say just this little weak, insipid prayer, and suddenly it's going to be, it's just going to explode. And it's going to go out of control. And you're not going to be able to get it back or reel it in. And it's going it's to be like, you know, one little domino hitting another domino, and all of a sudden you get this domino effect. Because the power of God will take your life and my life that seems so foolish and weak. And he will use it for his glory, for his purpose. He will. He will. And he breathed on them. And then he said this to them. Which is, it's absolutely wonderful. He said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. What do you mean, Jesus? The doors are locked. You know, you know what's happened over this last past weekend. Our eyes have seen terrible things. Our, our minds have thought terrible things that we thought we would never think. Uh, the actions of our lives have disappointed us. 
Is there any hope for us? Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, I tell you now, the Holy Spirit removes every form of disqualification. The, the Holy Spirit's power removes every argument that, you, that might stand up inside of you and say, no, I can't do it. The power of the Holy Spirit in moments can wash away all of the reasons that we might have that we can't reach our world. I tell you now, when you have the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God in your life, as a result of his grace, things begin to happen. Things begin to happen. So they get their encounter with Jesus. I better check the time. They get their encounter with Jesus in that moment. And then there's other moments along the way that Jesus imparts his life and his mission and his commission into them. These men are very fragile. They're very weak. They haven't been to Bible school. They haven't got all the qualifications and all the doctorates. They're just common people. And in fact, in Acts chapter 3, the religious men that, were, that, that had all the qualification talked about Peter and John as uneducated men. So it makes us all feel very at home, doesn't it? God doesn't choose the wise. God doesn't choose... Those that know what to do, he chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. You say, well, I don't know how to heal sick people. Let me say to you publicly this morning, in the presence of Jesus, neither do I. You may say, I don't know how to raise dead people. Neither do I. I don't know how to do anything, but I tell you something now, when the power of God comes on your life and you just simply obey the scriptures, laying hands on the sick, they shall recover. Come on. I'm telling you, church, there's, there's going to be moments, there's going to be moments in your life where you're going to walk into a situation and somebody's going to tell you about all of the issues that they have and the Holy Spirit's going to whisper to you, Lay your hand on them. Pray for them. And sometimes you're going to say, no, I, I can't, Lord. And you're going to walk away and back off. I've done it. So I know. Because you come to a line, and it's so hard to cross that line. It's so hard because we feel inferior. We feel weak. But you know what? God never gives up on us. Jesus doesn't co condemn us. He'll bring you into another opportunity, into another situation. Until you get to the point where you say, do you know what? Can I lay my hand on you and just pray for you and ask Jesus to do a miracle for you? And suddenly, the miracle will happen. The miracle will happen. I remember years ago now, just with that simple desire to reach people for Jesus, I was in Brim Mau, and we were out on the streets, just a few of us going up to people, Hey, how are you doing? I just want to tell you about Jesus. Could I take a few moments of your time? And you know, people would pass you by, no, and oh, that's okay. That's fine. And then I went into this youth hall, up a stairs and into this room, and there was about, there was about 40 young people. And uh, obviously they didn't know who I was, so when I walked in there, the, the room went quiet. I said, oh, excuse me, everybody. I've just come in here to tell you about Jesus. I thought, 
Just do it really simple. Get right to the point straight away. Don't warm them up. Just get right in there with the name. I've just come in here to tell you about Jesus. Well, man, it was the greatest comedy show they'd ever had. Laughing and jibing and, oh, Jesus this, Jesus that. They love it. They love it. And I, was, I didn't mind because I'm not defending my name and I don't have to defend his. He's big enough to defend his own name. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And then there was this boy on crutches and he, he, he had his leg up in the air and he couldn't walk on his leg. So it must have been the Holy Spirit because I, wouldn't, I would never do something like this. I said, hey, mate, what's wrong with your leg? He said, oh, he said, I had an accident with my leg this week and I cannot put any weight on it. I can't play football. I can't do anything with my leg. He said, I'm on crutches. I said, well, how about if Jesus healed your leg? And I'm telling you now, the room went quiet. The room went quiet. We upped the atmosphere. I said, would you like Jesus to heal your leg? He said, yeah. I said, well, okay. And they're all there watching, having ridiculed Jesus. Now he's going to act. I said, well, I said, um, I said, first of all, to prove it's Jesus and not chance, let's just make sure you can't do what, you're about to do after I've prayed. I said, walk on the leg. He said, I can't. I said, put some weight on it. He could not touch his leg on the floor. I said, right. I said, watch now. I said, I'm going to put my hand on his head. I'm going to pray for him. And then at the end of the prayer, he's going to put his weight on his foot. He's going to, those crutches, he's not going to need them. But we've all seen, haven't we, what he can't do. Would we all agree that he can't put his weight on his leg? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Right. Ready? After three now. Simple prayer. Lord Jesus, heal this boy's leg. Amen. I said, right, put your leg, put your leg on the floor. Throw away the crutches. Walk around. Do whatever you got to do. And he did. And he did. And the kids... The kids are just looking. I said, now, I said, who wants to receive Jesus? <laughs> Put your hand up. And they did. Putting their hands up, asking Jesus into their, into their lives. But you see, it's the goodness of God. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Amen. Now, I've not talked about anything that I was going to talk about this morning. But you know what? That's absolutely fine. Sometimes he just wants to encourage us. Sometimes he just wants to, he wants to, that's what it is. He wants to encourage us. Because on the front row, I had my little tablet here with all my little notes. And the Holy Spirit's, this is what he said. And this is how I started. He said, listen, he said, I know that it's hard in the world. I know that they're aggressive and they come back at you with all of their words, but they're only waiting to see if you'll hang around 
for them. They're only waiting to see if you'll be genuine and stick in, the, in there with them. Do you know the Holy Spirit may give you one person for the next 20 years to be a friend to? Do it with all your heart. Let's not look for the thousands. Let's not look. And God's, God's going to grow. God's, this place is going to grow. But let, uh, my eyes aren't on that. My eyes aren't on that. My eyes are on, oh, the one. Who's the one person, Jesus? The precious life that you might give to me that I can pray for even when they don't know that I'm mentioning their name in your presence because they've told me about this, 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 this and that. Who's the one person or the five people or the ten people that you've given me responsibility to pray for Jesus? I'm going to take that seriously and I'm going to pray for them because I love them and I want them to receive your care and your love. Can I ask the musicians to come? Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. Didn't he? Many men have made speeches down throughout time about what they're going to do and how things are going to change. But I love how Jesus on many occasions would just, through one line, encapsulate the whole sphere of his life and how he would not deter from his purpose, how he would not deter from his work. I have come to seek and save the lost. Jesus said to his disciples, as he says to us, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He said, I have come to seek and save the lost. And if we are being sent in the same way as the Father sent him, there's going to be an urgency that you'll, find, that you'll find arising within you. There's going to be an ache as you look into people's eyes in the supermarket. Or you see a person, you'll pass them by on the street. And you, as you pass them by, you'll feel a burden. You'll feel a connection. And it'll cause you to pray. It may not cause you to take hold of them. Or there'll be a reoccurring person that will come up in your day, in your mind. Or a person that you'll meet from years ago, suddenly again, you'll meet them again and there'll be a fresh connection. Because in the same way that the Father sent him to seek and save the lost, he is sending us to seek and save the lost. He understands it's hard. He understands that the world is hurting and broken and pierced by many troubles and many situations and they, they, they think it's all attributed to God and He's distant and removed. But we, His people, are going to change all of that. We, His people, are going to take people who are seemingly far away from God and bring them near. I remember hearing a story about a man from South Africa who visited London with his family. And they were a middle-class family in a great church. 
living their lives, living their dream, lots of pleasures, lots of good things in life. They had everything to live for. Mum and dad had a great marriage. They had a great home. They had a really sort of healthy bank balance. Everything you could imagine to enjoy life. And they came to London at Christmas time. So excited. Lots of money to spend. All of the lights and all of the shops were before them. And one day they get up and they go to a large department store to buy all of the things that they had thought about. And as they're going through the shop, and as, they, as, as the crowds are around them, suddenly the father looks around to find his little boy, and he can't find him. And he, he, he moves a few feet forward and a few feet to the left, and his son is gone, lost in the crowd. And suddenly, this father realizes that his dear son has been lost. He begins to run frantically from one end of the department store to the other end. He goes up the elevator and down again. And at, within minutes, he's screaming at the top of his voice, his lost child's name, screaming frantically. He could not be consoled. People came around, asked what the problem was. He couldn't even tell them. All he could do was scream the name of his son because he'd lost him. And then within a matter of minutes after that, they brought his son back to him. He embraced his son and wept and wept and wept. That night as they went back to the hotel room, the man lay on his bed and the Holy Spirit said to him, Son, now you know how we feel about lost men and women. That man went back to South Africa, sold his home, sold everything and devoted his life to the mission field in Africa where he's built a church and seen many people one to Christ. Oh, the Holy Spirit longs for the lost. Oh, the Holy Spirit is going to empower you to do his will, to do his work, to bring healing where there's sickness, to bring wholeness where there's pain. The Holy Spirit is going to enable you and empower you. And it's not going to be because we've got everything right within our lives, but it's going to be because God loves the world in which we live. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing, and then in a moment, I'm going to invite you, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to invite you to ask Him to be your Savior and your Lord. We're going to sing right now. Let's lift our voices to Him. We praise you, Jesus, the name above all names.
Amen. In these closing moments, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. You may be here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart. You haven't got to clean your life up like I didn't have to clean my life up. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's what we are by nature. But Jesus is the Savior. We are the sinner. We acknowledge that. Jesus Christ is the Savior. And today, why don't you ask him? Why don't you give him an invitation? He'll not deny you. He will come and give you peace. And he will wrap his arms around you and save you. While eyes are closed, if you would like me to pray with you right now, to ask Jesus Christ into your life, I'd like you quickly to lift your hand up. I'll see it. Can I pray with you this morning to ask Jesus, give you a few moments in this place. Is there a person here this morning that wants to ask Jesus? One person. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Let's all lift our hands right now. Lord Jesus, I pray for your people. These are your people, Lord, bought with your blood, precious in your sight. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord, that the opportunities before us this week, you're going to enable us and empower us to take hold of those opportunities and bring your grace and salvation to others that don't know you. Lord, I thank you this week. People are going to call us up. People are going to come our way. And Lord, we are going to recognize those that you brought before us. And Lord, we are going to we are going to be like that good Samaritan on the Jericho Road, pouring in the oil and the wine. We thank you that we are your laborers. The fields are white unto harvest. The laborers are few. But Lord, with the few laborers in this place, we pray. You said pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the field. We ask you that you would give us the joy. Give us the joy of winning people to you. Give us the joy of seeing your power move through our lives, Holy Spirit. Give us the joy of seeing amazing answers to prayer. Give us the same joy that the disciples had when they said, we cast out devils, we heal the sick. Oh God, give us that joy. I pray it over every person, not one minister, but many ministers, not one body, but many parts of the body functioning as your body. In Jesus' name, we ask it for your glory. 